the Severe MMA Podcast Premium with Sean Sheehan and Graham McDonald. Welcome, welcome everybody to an interim episode of the Severe MMA Podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, joined today by Graham McDonald as we look ahead to the weekend and talk about some of the biggest stories in the world of uh, of mixed martial arts over the last uh, over the last couple of days we had no um, normal podcast the weekend we had the state of the UFC address which if you missed please check it out I, I was joined by Spencer Kite to talk about all things UFC so uh, hopefully you did check that out and uh, and you enjoyed it uh, but we're going to talk about the upcoming fights this weekend not a major episode just here for the next uh, maybe 20 minutes ish or so to uh, to talk about what's coming up next week and maybe a little bit of the news as well but we must tell you that this week's uh, podcast and support is uh, for the severe my podcast is brought to you by manscaped who's best uh, in men's below the waist grooming big news from manscaped they just released their cologne scent that help you feel good and smell better all of the time who knew smelling this good could feel this good too manscaped is trusted by over 2 million mil worldwide join the movement for your below the waist grooming needs and i got my manscaped cologne probably about two or three weeks ago now at this stage and i've non-stop used it to be honest it's so good honestly the most long-lasting cologne i've ever used it's really really good and everyone knows that manscaped has the perfect package 3.0 for all your blow the waist grooming needs they didn't stop there complete your grooming game with the new refined cologne which i mentioned uh it's signature cologne scent by manscaped with the same signature scent that's in the manscaped formulas this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection light approachable and gentlemanly in all the right ways Think of it as your wingman for the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. Calming and inviting, the signature scent introduces a light citrus burst before settling into anchoring notes of vetiv. I don't know what that word is, and a woodsy <laughs> line finish. The 50ml uh, spray cologne is even hypoallergenic, cruelty-free, dye-free, paraben-free, and 100% vegan. The beautifully designed glass bottle makes a statement, and manly scent is attractive to set the mood. Also, be sure uh, to check out the Perfect Package 3.0 with the essentials, uh, including the Lawnmower 3.0, which I have here. Where's the button? I'm in darkness. There you go. Um, yes, I'm talking about the ball deodorant as well with all the the, uh, the crop formulas uh, and the toner to keep your testes their besties. Now you can use the Manscaped a refined cologne to complete your set and smell great anytime, anywhere. It's time to feel sexy. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. Your balls and body will thank you. So I got 20% off with free shipping with the code SEVEREMMA at manscaped.com. S-E-V-E-R-E-M-M-A. Uh, that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code SEVEREMMA. Look good, smell good, feel good with Manscaped. And also as well, before we, we start, this week is the last week of the Fight Picks. So if you haven't downloaded the Fight Picks app yet, uh, please do it. The Championship Weekend this weekend. Um, go to fightpicks.com. Go to iOS. Go to Android. Get the app. You'll see it's the blue and white app. Um, join the Severe Mail League. Um, if you haven't already got your picks in for this weekend get them in visit the app uh go to fightpicks.com as i mentioned and follow them on twitter and all that as well so fightpicks.com download the app join the league get your picks in for this weekend right um graham 
the card this weekend for the UFC, okay, we're, we've been trying for the last few weeks not to go in and like break down piece by piece of the card, so we won't do that here again, we will do it a, a bit obviously like we, we kind of always have to do uh, before and after cards, but to me, so someone asked me a question on the podcast or on the Q&A this week, and I think it makes a lot of sense when you're looking at this card, and it's, you know, we've, we've talked about matchmaking a lot over the last maybe two years and uh i see other people are kind of doing it now as well which is which is seemingly the way actually you see john danner agreeing with me about jiu-jitsu that was absolutely fantastic just i saw none of the jiu-jitsu guys replying to that when i put that tweet but anyway that's uh that's a separate point but uh with matchmaking so someone had asked me about um because i had mentioned i think on the previous q a uh, or, or no, it's actually on the state of the UFC with Spencer about the logjam that has kind of happened at featherweight, uh, and it happens at other weights sometimes as well. And like, how can we kind of get past that, and how can we solve that? And I, my reasoning for it was matchmaking, just like make make the matches in that and get them over and done with get the next people ready and even if they're not ready or they're not the the next person in line get them another fight and then make them the next person in line you know and looking at this card there's so there's two heavyweight fights at the top of it and then there's one down it in again with uh, Tanner Bowser versus Ilir Latifi this is the sort of fight night and this is uh, we'll get to this fight night in a second but this is sort of fight night you need for like the top of the featherweight division remember we had that heavyweight uh um, night before where it was like five Mini or six thing, yeah, yeah like all of them on, on one card that's what we need for divisions like featherweight that get kind of stuck together put them all on the one card and then we'll have the winners fight the winners coming out of that if look there's going to be injuries and stuff like that but we can make those fights coming out of that thing and i think like do you think that's the only problem with the featherweight division do you think the fact that like nobody really seems to be even sorry the mma community nobody seems to be kind of buying into volkanovsky for, for some reason i think you know he he's probably criminally underrated by a lot of people in uh, in the game and unknown even though he's a champion in uh, in a usually popular division in recent years uh for some reason he's just nobody kind of knows who he is nobody wants to see him fight even though he's not a he's not a boring fighter in my opinion i don't really know why um, I think uh, do you know why i've never really thought of that before but if he, you're actually you're right in terms of like the broader community i think i think a lot of people with the two of us and loads of people covering me probably everyone listening has great respect for volkanovsky and what he does but like yeah it seems like he doesn't have that excitement factor i just my, my first thought was is it a bit of like the what we see in all sports people talk people up like i, I feel like everyone has talked up max holloway for years and years and years whether it's you know Daniel Carmia on the broadcast, or Paul Felder, or Dominic Cruz, or you know Michael Bisping on his podcast, or Joe Rogan, or whoever it might be, and every us included, everyone has talked him up. And I if, think people feel like they're on a journey with Mike Holloway yeah. because he's so, so young that it's kind of unless people have been following you for a long time, it's kind of hard to have that mm-hmm. that kind of loyal followership. Yeah, and does it uh, maybe does it feel a little bit like Volkanovski has kind of curtailed that a little bit? Like I, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird one because when Max Holloway comes out, and he looks so good against Cater as well. You think he's still championship quality? Like someone as well asked me in the Q and A about the uh, Max is fighting Yair Rodriguez and about that fight, and is it like oh he should he just kind of wait out for the title? But I, I like I like that fight, and I like Max taking that fight, and I like that um, division move, and that's exactly what I want. And when you've lost twice to Volkanovski as well um it's probably better off to get more fights under your belt to assure yourself of a next title shot but yeah i like it it does feel like sometimes it does feel like that though that like the next guy after kind of the guy is 
sometimes you don't want them there and you're like, oh, can you can we just move on for that? I don't feel that way with Volkanovski, but I imagine if you're a big Max Holloway fan, and Max Holloway garnered a good few fans uh, kind of, I suppose, inside and outside of hardcore MMA over the last few years, it could be the way people are feeling. But I don't know, I feel like maybe with Tough as well, I think Tough is starting this week, maybe with Tough coming and people get to watch Volkanovski, he seems like a hilarious guy, so maybe that will help him, you know, Tough has hindered and helped some people over the years, but I feel like Volkanovski could be one of the guys that helps, so that's uh, that's an interesting one. But I feel like overall with the division, it's not. I don't think it's about the top of the division necessarily, because... With the, do you remember when McGregor was the champion and he left to go to lightweight, but he had like the two Diaz fights before it, um, and he was still the featherweight champion. And everyone's saying, you know, he's holding up the belt and he's holding up the division, which you know was fair enough. But the issue with that is the division has kind of still been held up even since he's gone. You know, Aldo got the belt back, and then it was like kind of more the same for a second, which is grand because Aldo's a great fighter, but it's not that kind of. That's uh, moving on to the next kind of guy. And then Holloway got it, which kind of was. And everyone, th- I think, thought that that was kind of the hope for the division. But, like, Holloway got a few injuries. He pulled out of fights in the week of the fight. He went up to lightweight. And now Volkanovski has... A fucking weight cut incident as well. Like, yeah. Don't forget how bad he looked there. Like, Fred, like I would say Fred Bader has been calling him out there. But, like, it was so bad that there was kind of no... no there was yeah. no hiding from the, the whole my whole point in that is like the next guys or the opportunities for say someone like a Yair or someone like a Zabit haven't really come you know and it, that's why I think you should take fights because look what happened to Brian Ortega he took fights he got he got a great win and now he's kind of back in that place again but we haven't seen that new life that new level of contender kind of come on in the division to freshen it up to move it on and I, I, I just feel like it's because we aren't seeing enough fights. We aren't seeing Zabit fight, and we aren't seeing Yair fight. I think Zabit kind of half retired. I know he'll be back, like, but he was talking about being injured or having problems recovering or something. I saw recently. I, I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if that's still ongoing or or how bad that is. It's really hard to know. But uh, I suppose like he was. He's a he's a guy who hopefully they can kind of give a return fight to and not just throw to the wolves like the matchmakers have been kind yeah. of doing recently. But that that's a big issue as well. Like, I don't trust the matchmakers to do that. Like, I, at the moment, I just don't... I, and it's not that I don't trust the matchmakers to do it. I, I just think they need someone else in there. I think there's too many fights and too many jobs for them. And my my, I think the greater point, if you go beyond even the featherweight division or any of the divisions, I think the matchmakers' biggest issue these days is just holding guys back to so they can make main events. Because we're seeing, like, even if you look at, we'll get into Rosenstruck versus Sakai now and look through the card in a second. But if you look at that main event, I think the UFC matchmakers and Dana White and everyone is probably thinking like, well, if I can get a guy like, no, a cater or someone like that, and if he's fighting, say, um, let's say cater versus Zabit happens or something like that. Well, instead of making that fight on another card with another featherweight fight or making that fight in May, let's hold that fight off and make make it in August because we need a headliner for then. And that's the sort of thing that slows up these divisions and holds them back. And I think that's a big, big issue for the UFC. Um, Like... I'm I'm kind of half advocating for make the fights now and make them quick and get these guys turn around because you, you see a, a, with a lot of divisions okay there's in, uh, injuries and things like that and, and things get held up for different reasons and we've seen over the last couple of years with the COVID and everything but I feel like most fighters are 
maybe not even most fighters, but even 50% of fighters, but I think that's enough, want to fight more regularly, and they want to get wins under their belt, and they want, you know, they want this, and especially guys from, like, the just outside the... I'm getting a title shot level to like the top 15. Say a guy like Arnold Allen or someone like that, or even a, say a Darren Till or, you know, who just outside the title pitcher in their divisions. Do, do, those guys want fights. They want to fight regularly. They want to earn money. And I think they should be made, there should be matches made more often with them. And like, yeah. the places Arnold to fill Allen as well. is a good example. I think you were talking about it with Spencer, were you? About uh, yeah, Arnold Allen. Yeah, you know, he kind of, I think one of you has made the point, he kind of disappears for a year and the hype kind of gets forgot, forgotten about and then he comes back and he's kind of back in the situation of, of oh, oh, is this guy on this long win streak? I forgot, mm-hmm. you, you know, um, maybe when you're not out there kind of doing media and stuff, it, it doesn't it doesn't help you stay relevant when you're not fighting. But for anybody, even if you're if you're if your breaks are that big, it's hard to, to build momentum. And Alan has done that. And it's, it, it, you know. I'd love to see him. I'd love to see him get a kind of a bigger fight. I don't know why he's been held back. Maybe it's maybe it's a choice of him and his camp. But it seems like you know sometimes they're holding guys back too long, and other times they're just throwing guys to the wolves. And it doesn't seem. I know I say this all the time, but the matchmakers don't seem to have anywhere near as much kind of logic behind what they're doing as as they used to. Yeah, and another big problem with it i think is they have to find spots for guys and I, it's easy for me to say oh, you need to match make the top 15 more but the problem is it's not just the top 15 or top 20 or top 30 some of these divisions have 50 and 60 if you go over to zen simon's list and bloody hell but there's lots of guys like this card when we get into and it there now, used to only be what six seven divisions back yeah. in the day and a card every three weeks is a completely different landscape i suppose i really think they need the usc need to um they need to call some of these fighters like there, there's too many fighters on the ufc roster there's too many like fighters that we don't really care about and, yeah. are not and would anybody be complaining really if there was eight fights or nine fights instead of 12 fights no, on a card I, I think not. when those card happens you see positive response on on social media for people uh from yeah. people 100%. Like if you look, if, so if you look at this card, right? You've Jarzinho Rosenberg. I went through the card uh, just before we started here, and I think on the the top four fights there, I think seven, six or seven of the eight guys are coming off of losses, and uh, Miguel Baeza against Sant- um, Santiago Ponzinibbio. Miguel is the one guy who who isn't. He beat Matt Brown there recently. Won another fight after it, but like. This uh, and Marcin Tabor, I think, is the other guy as well who's on a good win streak at the uh, at the moment. But there's some good fighters. Okay, Rosenstruck is a good fighter. Sakai is a good fighter. Delidze, I think, is very good as well. Fighting Strapoli and Waltaris is no joke either. But I feel like when you look at that sort of top four on the card, and look, we have even Tom Breeze. You could put him after it as well, uh, fighting Antonio Arroyo. And I, I look, there, there's some good fighters as well. I think Dusa Todorovic is a very good fighter fighting Gregory Rodriguez. It's the type of car that, like, if you miss this, right, and if you missed the results and you never heard about the results again on this whole card, would it actually make any difference? Like, would it make any... You could look at on, on a Wednesday and say, oh, you know, Marcin Tabora has gone from 7 to 8 in the rankings or whatever it might be. Oh, where's the jeopardy? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly that, it. That, that's the problem. And if you had, say, a Max Holloway on the top of this card against the Ayer Rodriguez... That would be a, a different story, you know, to take a new life. And even with, you know, the Cody Garbrandt versus Font card at the weekend. And, we, like, the, 
there is just there, there's some cards in the UFC and that shouldn't be what the UFC is you know we've all, we've said it before the UFC is supposed to be the Ferrari it's supposed to be the Mercedes Benz of uh, of MMA and it's just it's not what it was anymore there's still some good fighters like I'm a big fan of Sean Woodson on the undercard uh, as well and you know Arnie Analipsky's coming back here another one off a very disappointing showing Jones, yeah. Yeah. so yeah it's uh yeah, Mason Jones, obviously, a big, big fight for him. So maybe we should talk about Mason Jones a little bit, actually. And, like, he's been, I suppose, a victim of the um, of the matchmaking we've we've seen. Got Came in and got a very, very tough fight uh, in the uh, in the lightweight division. Now he's fighting Alan Patrick here, who in his last couple of fights, you know, has fought Bobby Green and Scott Holtzman. You know, he's beaten Stevie Ray and Damian Brown and uh, others as well before that, beaten John McDessie. What do you think of that match, man? That's, that's a tough enough fight again for Mason Jones, isn't it? I, I think it's a step down slightly from the last one, but yeah, as you said, you know, he's been, he's coming, Alan Patrick's been around a long time and he's coming off a, a decision against Bobby Green. Um, so it's definitely no easy, easy task either. Like, I think Mason Jones, you know, he, he, he kind of needs to win this already, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. They put him in a position where, where, you know, if he doesn't win this, he could end up getting caught or, you know, one away from being caught, and it, it could have been so different. You know, uh, they could have built them. You know, they could have played up the the cage warrior side of things. They have the footage from from fight night. They, like you know, they could have they could have kind of got him a couple of nice nice looking highlights in the UFC and built him up as this you know Welsh Welsh superstar or upcoming Welsh guy and get the you know get the fans excited but they just seem to be like ah we'll just put him in against this guy's available throw him in there oh he lost I'll throw him in there against this other guy of a similar quality uh, it doesn't yeah it doesn't seem like you know there's no path it doesn't seem like there's any path for these guys it's just it's just it's just throw them in against anybody you know Paddy Pim that's coming in here um, maybe they because he has Paddy Pim has a bit of a following a known following and a, a kind of loud following maybe he'll get a bit of a path but I'm starting to think he'll just be thrown in against whoever's available at the time and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, it's not ideal for these guys coming in you know uh, obviously you have to you have to go in there and make it for yourself and beat these guys but so everybody knows the styles make fights and there's a, usually a little bit of a betting in period when people come to the UFC that you know um, used to be kind of uh, catered for but now now it's just not yeah. so yeah Mason Jones you know uh, he's in a position now where he has to come out and win this fight um, it's a tough fight it's like could go either way I'd probably have him as a slight favourite but you know the pressure's on now and yeah I think I think he'll get it done but I think this will be a close hard fight yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it'll be a close hard fight as well. I, I would just fancy, but I think your point that Paddy Pim did is very interesting because I think anyone watching Paddy and and who's known him for for years on the local scene uh, realizes that Paddy has issues that he still has to overcome. Like Paddy's still very young; people seem to forget that, but he needs to be match made in the right way. Like Paddy has had the title run the kind of the fight that has shown the issues for Paddy and then another one and he's kind of made his way back to where if he had stayed in Cage Warriors he probably would have been fighting for the, the title on the, the upcoming card so I think he went to the UFC at the right time but the UFC have to match make him the right way and the difference between say like a Mason Jones who I think is is a better fighter than Paddy Pimden all around and who has a higher ceiling than Paddy Pimden as a fighter maybe not as a star but I think he's a very very good fighter or even someone like Reese McKee as well who's a very good fighter it's for the UFC to kind of throw them to the wolves 
and you know it, they can either do well or not do well it doesn't really matter to the UFC but with with Paddy Pimblett as you said he could draw big for them he could be a big star from people already know who Paddy Pimblett is you know he has like the, the, I guarantee you the vast majority of people don't know who Mason Jones is like, yeah. I, I, yeah for example like if they put a if the UFC announced a show in Liverpool or anywhere near Liverpool it would sell out like you know maybe it won't sell out as quickly yeah. as UFC Dublin that was like I don't know 10 minutes or something but it'd be selling out in fucking within an hour you know it would be a big attraction it would be it would be a ravenous crowd it would be it would be a big event but I don't know if the UFC are going to do that they might just throw him in against some guys available in some random card in Nova Scotia for all, like you know what I mean or just stick him in the fucking apex yeah, they probably. I think they probably will. Like that's kind of been their their aim over the last while. But I suppose we will. Uh, we will see how it goes anyway with that. Um, so and anything else from this card? I suppose the before we move on, the the main event, Jarzino Rosenstruck versus Augusto Sakai. I think Sakai in his last few fights or in, in in his whole career really has been the kind of that guy who is a tricky kind of fighter to fight, and he he's a better fighter than he looks, I suppose you put it that way. And I think Rosenstruck might be the, the, kind of the opposite. He's probably not as good a fighter as, as he looks. He's a good technical fighter who can land big shots and has power, but I think he needs the right situation to kind of win fights at this stage of his MMA career. He's still very young in his MMA career, and I think he can, uh, he can improve as well. But this is a big fight for him coming off of, I think, two losses in his last three. Um... I would just about fancy Rosenstruck to win it. I think he's more technical, and I think um, I think Sakai might leave him enough openings that he'll kind of take one and end up landing that big knockout blow like he did in the first couple of fights of his UFC career. Um, but it's I, it, it's it's a, a pick him enough fight for me to be honest. Uh, like a good few of these, like I I probably think the standout fight for me is. Baeza versus Ponzinibbio. See how Ponzinibbio can uh, come back. You know, he was three years out after his uh, or before his last fight. Didn't look great in that. So you know, you give him that one. Let's see how he looks in this one. Um, and Tom Breeze as well. We always want to know how he looks. But what do you think of the main event? Do you think um, uh, are you on my side of Rosenstruck or are you going for Sakai? Uh, I'd probably just lead towards Rosenstruck, but uh, like it could go either way. Um, you know, Rosenstruck's another one of those that could have been could have been managed differently. Um, you know, I, I yeah, I think I think he should be have enough to get it done. But you know, I think maybe um, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a back and forth. And you know, if if either guy got knocked out, I wouldn't be too surprised. Yeah, me too, me too. Uh, right, we have a, a couple of questions that I missed out in the Q and A that came in afterwards, um, which we will get to in a second, and maybe one more topic. But KSW sixty one as well uh, coming up this weekend. It's a pretty good card, to be honest. Uh, Sean Dini has a whole uh, article on it by by the time this podcast comes out. I think it's actually already out as as I speak. But uh, he breaks down the whole thing, and I was actually reading that last night. Editing it, a big fight. Obviously, you know, a big fight. It's always a big fight when uh, Mar- uh, Marius Pujan is in the main event uh, so that should be fun but it's a big fight for uh, Saladin Paranisa who lost his last fight but is 14-1-1 now and is you know one of the top prospects in the world um, lost to Daniel Torres last time up, but he's beaten the likes of you know Ivan Bushinger who was on a great run after losing to, to Conor McGregor beating Marcin Vorshek you know the, the level of guys who he's beaten with you know 
uh, you know, 20 to 30 fights on their record, beating Morgan Sharia back in the day as well, who we know, obviously, from from, uh, from Cage Warriors. So it's a big fight for him. Um, and he's fighting uh, Philippe uh, Pejek, who is 15-4-2 as well. So another guy with a, with a lot of experience, a lot of uh, time uh, time under his uh, under his belt. So, um, you know, he's fought, beating the likes of Jam, James Brum as well and, uh, and others like that uh, throughout the year. So it's... Uh, that's a very good fight, and as I mentioned, Sean Dinny knows obviously a lot about uh, more about that than, than most of us. So uh, go over and read his uh, his article and, and uh, get excited for that car. Uh, Damien Stiziak, who we've seen around, is on the card as well. Donovan Desme, who uh, you know could be the the Cage Warriors lightweight champion at the moment. Uh, he's on the card fighting a lightweight here as well. So uh, it's uh, it's very interesting. Uh, Dario Stosic as well uh, is on this. So very very good card uh, all the way around. Um, we are going to obviously break down Cage Warriors in more depth in the uh, in the weeks and coming up to them. We're not too far away from, but I'll, I'll likely have Brad Wharton on again to to talk about. It. I haven't even even asked him yet, so I'm but uh, I, I'm I'm sure he will come out with me to talk about. It. But just a, a couple of things I wanted to, to, to quickly mention here. Myself and Ian will be doing the chasing pack as well. But what do you think of the the Paul Redmond versus Medi Bin Lakhtar fight? I, I like we talk about matchmaking. I think this is the perfect matchmaking. I think it's a very good fight. It's a you know a big fight for Medi, a big fight for Paul Redmond coming back to Cage Warriors. Um, you know with the lightweight title, John McCulgan is going to be fighting uh, Aggie Sagdari, which we mentioned I think in the podcast uh, the couple of weeks ago. Now at this stage. This is surely the number one contender fight. And I know you've been around Redzer and, and known Redzer for a good while, but it's a big fight for him as well. It's good to see him back in action, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, he's he's uh, kind of another guy who got an unfortunate run in the UFC, and he's um, as we kind of talked about a lot of guys getting. But uh, you know, he's he's a very tough matchup for anybody, and you know, he's coming in against Meji here, and he, he's five zero and one. He's kind of early in his career, but if you look, if you remember back, he had a very close decision to draw with Joe McCoggan, and we kind of know all. Oh, we we know well about Joe McCoggan, so he, he's obviously a, a good fighter. But you know, I expect Redzer's kind of style of of hard nosed wrestling and in your face to be a very difficult style to deal with. Maybe something he hasn't dealt with on this level uh, before. So, yeah, I think I think it's going to be a it's going to be a tough um, kind of um, style to face for him early in his career. And hopefully, Redzer, you know, can can you know perform at at the at the level that he's that he's uh, accustomed to, you know, he's, he's been out for a while now, you know, it's been what a year and a half since Reds are fought. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a long time in MMA, but, uh, you know, I'm sure in team Rhino, they're, they're sparring harder all the time. So, uh, hopefully that won't be, a won't be a problem. And I think Reds will, you know, Reds will make it difficult here and probably win a decision. Yeah. And I think it's, it's good for cage or as well, because like, I feel like I remember I talked to Paul Redmond once. Um, I I don't know was it directly after a fight or, or... once is enough. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I hear you. <laughs> but I said to him, was like, you know, he got a great reaction from like the Dublin crowd or something, and like I I or I called him like a fan favorite or something like that, and he like kind of swatted it away, and he's like, I only ever invite like four people to my fights and stuff, and I don't want my friends and family there, kind of things like that. But I'm every time I've been at a Paul Redmond fight, even back in the day in in cage warriors before he kind of got to the OC and everything like that and fighting I don't know probably KSW or whatever Bellator Even ever seen him. Zone days, yeah. I, he's always gotten a big reception I feel like you know there's there's 
I feel like people see him as kind of the Dublin kind of working class hero and all of the guys from Rhino where, you know you have the big flashy SBG with their fucking BMWs and their you know, 100,000 followers and Instagram sort of thing I, f- I feel like there is kind of that divide there maybe you could talk about that better than me being, being from Dublin so, but I feel like there is that crowd that d- d- honest to goodness MMA crowd who just love Paul Redmond and I feel like if KJRS which Graham Boylan has kind of hinted at are coming back to Ireland and and Dublin, um, uh, notably, at at the end of the year, whenever they come back, I think Paul Redman, if he's fighting for a title uh, shot, and even if it was fighting Joe McCalgan, which I think would be fun, but I don't know if they would fight or not. I think that would be, uh, I think that would be very big for Cage Warriors, and I think they'd do well with that. So I think, like, if you're a Paul Redman, like getting over Medi Bin Lactor is not an easy fight at all. I think, you know, I think Medi might even be a slight favorite for that because Medi's a very very good fighter, but um. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a big fight for Paul Redman, also also a big fight for Cage Warriors because they love of an Irish stars. You know, obviously we'll we'll talk more about Ian Gary as as the fight um, uh, as that fight nears because that's one of the that's probably the biggest fight in the weekend. Him versus Jack Grant, and he's he could be that Dublin star as well. You know, for them, but I don't think he's long for Cage Warriors if he wins that. Um, and it's uh, you know it's it's a big time for uh, for Cage Warriors. Uh, what uh, the other part part I want to talk about, and we will obviously I want to talk about this a little bit because. Um, it's uh, it won't be a main story as we come up to the fights. Um, but the Paul Hughes situation. Now I I spoke a little bit about it on the Q and A. Um, so Paul Hughes released kind of a statement, which you know was my first kind of red flag. Like, what are you doing releasing statements? But anyway, um, and he was like, uh, the news is out. I'm not getting the title shot. Morgan Sharia versus Vucinich is happening. Um, I'm gonna wait until the next trilogy, and then Graham Boylan like immediately replies like, "Get well soon. I hope that injury clears up or something like that." To like completely kind of rubbish Paul Hughes's statement that he put out, which was a bit weird, and then kind of Paul Hughes came out and said he niggling injuries, nothing serious, but things were kind of keeping him out, which is which is well and good. I think I, I the problem for me with, with that whole thing was, I think Paul Hughes has had a lot of injuries over the years, and with um. Ooh, putting out a statement saying that you're kind of going to sit out because you didn't get the title shot, I think is the wrong way to look at it because it, I think people don't want Paul Hughes sitting out if he's injury free. Now, if he comes out and he says he's an injury, absolutely, you know, get get well soon, get get better from the injury. I just don't think it was a good look, and I also don't think it was a good look putting out a statement when you're like one fight away from a Cage Warriors title fight when you're a prospect that is like a top five in the UFC ceiling prospect. Like, that's where I would put Paul Hughes and Ian Gary and other guys coming through like that. If it all goes well, if they get uh, every 100% of the look, they you you, ne- you can never say someone will be a UFC champion 100%, but I think he's that level of skill and that level of ability if he puts the fight IQ together, if he gets the experience together, I think he could get there. To act kind of like a Cage Warriors title shot is the be-all and end-all. I, I don't know. For me, I just feel like it's... It's an odd mindset, and I wasn't a big fan of it, to be honest. And maybe it's just me um, uh, reading into it too much, but I don't know. I, I, I know it's a thing now with fighters where, you know, everything is a big deal, and they fight an amateur fight, and they put the, the selfie up on Instagram with their uh, with with their uh, their contract and all for this amateur fight that are, like, you know, four people watching. I, I don't know. It just gets to me. What, what do you think, Graham? Am I just a grumpy old man roaring in a, crowd, a cloud here, am I? I don't know. You know, it's hard to know what went on behind the behind the scenes. Um, you know, uh, was he was he told you get a win, you get a title shot, or or it's it's hard to really know. It was you know, it was a thing that you probably sh- should try and 
talk to talk behind the scenes about uh but maybe that maybe that went on and you know he was ignored or he was he wasn't satisfied with the with the responses and he it's it probably out of frustration it seems but it's hard to know when you don't really know the, the situation but yeah i think you know it's it's not a great look as you said but I think the the thing about it is we kind of all forget it when he comes out and fights then or when other guys oh, yeah, come well, out and no, fight. It's no yeah. big deal. It's no, not a big, big deal, deal at all. Yeah, yeah. But I think, uh, yeah, I think one of those, I, I don't know, him and Graham Byland, that was a bit of uh, a bit of niggle between them. I, even the time I interviewed Graham Byland as Paul Hughes had, uh, <laughs> had signed. And it's it's a weird kind of relationship, I think, to have online anyway. Maybe in private it's a little bit different. But, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, I think it's it's in, like it's interesting because we we always talk about fighters and we talk about their skill level and sometimes we we kind of look past what it takes to be a star and get to the very top and that's part of it in MMA as well. We even you know seen other sports this weekend about you know the, the, this whole Naomi Osaka situation with the media and things like that. I think MMA fighters are for the most part understand a lot better that they need the media and they need to get their name out there to be successful to get to where they want to be to earn that big money and understand kind of that relationship now a lot of them don't as well but um i I think sometimes there people try to kind of own the game and make a lot of the the kind of the wrong decisions or go to the wrong places and even not not just fighters but promotions and pr people and stuff as well and media themselves but um yeah, I suppose that's a, a bigger conversation for a for another day. Um, right, so we will end it here. I said it's just an interim podcast, and we're not going to go the, the full uh, seventy minutes. But we ha- uh, there's a couple of questions that came in late for the Q and A, and I'm going to throw them at the two of us here uh, from Dermot Hines. Graham, where's Gunnar Nelson? Have you heard anything about Gunnar Nelson? No, I was actually thinking that a couple of weeks ago. I was I was thinking what, what's going on, but uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on there. He was like he was never the most active fighter, but you know. It's, it is strange. You think, you know, there'd be some rumors of fights, you know, there must be some kind of injury or something. Or I'm not really sure what's going on, to be honest. I haven't heard anything. Do his phone number ring him up there? <laughs> I probably have a number from, from a lot of years ago. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know if that's still, still working. Probably. Go on, ring him there live on the... <laughs> Gonna when you fight? No, okay. Uh, next one. Would you try Wimp to Warrior? And what do you think of it? What What do you think of it? Were you were at one Wimp to Warrior show or something? Were you already? No, no, no. Um, no, I was never at, at one. Um, were you at like the, the training or something? Or am I gone mad? Oh yeah, yeah. There was like a training session for it going on in, in SBG one time. Yeah, yeah. But um, no, I was never at the show. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, there's no, you know, there's no way of kind of becoming a, a good technical fighter in that mid time so i'm not really interested in watching two guys you know just kind of low level throw down with i don't, I don't know i don't want to put down what these guys are doing it's great for their for their you know for their health and their bodies and all stuff like that like but in terms of my interest in it it's, it's not there yeah, I, I think it's one of those things where it's just like people getting fit for six weeks, like a training thing, and then they have a, a white collar. To, to reach at the end, something to yeah. build towards. Like it's, it's, it makes sense, but uh, yeah. I, I think the problem with that is, uh, you know, it's fine to have a white collar fight at the end or whatever, but like I, I feel like... MMA is dangerous, like you know, it's and uh, not not to go full fucking pizza Carroll, MMA is dangerous, but it's it is a dangerous sport. You could get caught with something, you could get hit with something and knocked down, and it's it you know and get badly hurt. So I don't know, putting untrained people basically in there 
fighting each other in a fist fight and I know it's like amateur rules or whatever it might be and there's a referee in there and they're going to keep them safe and stuff but yeah I don't know I wouldn't like I think it's a good idea to go in and train MMA and do a six week intensive course or whatever it might be but the fight at the end of it I'm not I'm not too sure about that but look fair play to uh fair play to john cavanagh he's made a lot of money out of uh out of getting famous from conor mcgregor and stuff like that so you can't uh you know you can't uh you can't you can't hate on that so fair play to him um next one which premier league manager would win an mma tournament what do you think graham Oof, i don't know are any of them trained and uh, you heard anything don't know. boxing or any kind of martial art um not sure I suppose the youngest ones would be someone like a Thomas Tuchel, maybe. Um, Mourinho's gone now. Pep, I'd say he'd be a bit wiry. <laughs> um, if P- 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 Big Sam has gone now, he'd beat the shit out of every single one of them. But, uh, yeah. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Ole'd come in the last five minutes and just knock everyone out. <laughs> <laughs> Super soap, tag him in. None of them really, I don't know, I haven't heard, sometimes you hear about f- footballers doing like boxing or whatever, but you never really hear, I don't know, I haven't really heard much about any manager that comes to mind. Yeah. In terms of just looks, I don't know, um, you might be looking down at like Burnley or something. Oh, Sean <laughs> yeah. Dyche, yeah. Yeah, or, or, yeah. Who else down there? There's probably some tough-nosed managers down there, I'm trying to think. Um, There isn't as many as there used to be, is there? You know, there's no tough nuts that are coming in... So Duncan Ferguson is a he was a manager there not too not too long yeah, ago for Everton. It looks like Ancelotti. Yeah, Real Madrid <laughs> through the media putting out their their fake stats about Ancelotti being the yeah. the most winning the winning highest winning percentage manager and they just ignore uh, Pellegrini. Ancelotti, <laughs> Ancelotti has been terrible for Everton. <laughs> I think I like why do Real Madrid want him? But nah, he got that, anyway. that 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 lot to finish in the the top half of the table. It's a miracle. Yeah, it's true. So the top. He got Cal, Cal, Calvin Lewin scoring Calvin Lewin scoring goals. Yeah, he did. In fairness, uh, how many UFC fights will end from calf kicks by the end of the year? End directly, or I suppose not. Not many like have where, in the directly. You know, Mike Chandler kind of thing, like where you basically can't walk anymore. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I'd say more. It's gonna it's gonna play a big part in the movement and the the lack of movement when in getting finished on the feet. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, it's more like he, that's going to be, I think that's definitely going to um, increase in terms of uh, regularity. But I think, you know, actually just w- finishing people is probably still going to stay rare. But the more calf kick, the calf kicks get implemented in the game plans and thrown, obviously the, the chances of uh, a one hitter quit, as they say in the baseball, yeah. um, goes up. But I don't see it being like, you know, all the time. That that dog will fucking eat you, Graham. That's the name. That fucking finish by <laughs> finish by uh, bites will finish more people than calf kicks. Uh, last one here. Uh, <laughs> this is a, the best question we've had. Would an aquarium style moat of sharks surrounding the lower outside part of the octagon be deadly? I think it would. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't who wanted something like that? They wanted like an alligator pit. Yeah. 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 Imagine. It'll be unbelievable. I think. I think we need to. Uh, we need to introduce that. Never mind. Let's get who. Who do? Who be mad enough? That that fucking fight circus lads. They might do it. But uh, our, our time would do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably would. Offer him a day's notice. He'd be in there. <laughs> He'd fight the fucking sharks, Arthur. <laughs> what do you? Oh, actually, before we go, what do you think of uh, Jake Paul versus Tyron Woodley? Looks like it's going to happen. <sighs> 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't care. No, do you, who do you think will win? Um, geez, Tyron Woodley's not looked good recently. Um, uh, it's so hard to know what level Jake Paul is at. You know, he's, he's boxed a fighter who was a wrestler who had a replacement hip and he fought a fucking the shortest NBA player of all time. Oh, I don't know. It's so hard to know where his level's at. And Tyron Woodley, you know, his boxing isn't that great. You know, he had he, he had one he had one kind of hitter power, um, but you know, his boxing isn't exactly, you know, uh you know, crisp or fantastic anymore. Um yeah, it's hard to know. It's really hard to know. Like, uh, you'd have to say, like, you know, Woodley has a lot more experience and there's a lot more tape on him in there in terms of striking an MMA, but it's, it's completely different in boxing. There's certain certain punches you can't throw. There's there's just it's so different to stance, everything. Um, and how much effort is Woodley going to put into this? Like, when is this bout? And... Yeah, is Woodley's going to go in there and some um, boxing a YouTuber going to knock him out or is he going to take it real seriously going to a boxing camp yeah, I think if, if Woodley takes it very seriously I think he should win but if he goes in there thinking oh, this is a YouTuber he could end up like you know maybe not as bad as Ben Askren but uh, he could end up on the losing end yeah I think like Woodley has looked extremely shot in his last few fights but he's still not that far away from his prime and I, like I don't I, I don't think he's uh, necessarily he's way past his prime isn't he well he was a champion like what two years ago or something like that so not not completely past his prime and he's not coming off of a hip surgery like Ben Askren or anything like that so I it's true <laughs> I, I think Woodley I would think Woodley would be a slight favourite but I also think it's I think good he has fight. to take it seriously you know if he yeah. goes in there thinking oh I'm going to knock this YouTuber out easily then yeah. uh, he could get himself into the trouble there's no doubt Jake Paul has skills like even if you hate him as a human being it he can definitely box a little bit it depends how or much can he, he can take box. it you know can yeah he, that's a problem yeah. issue as well yeah Tyron, like in fairness this is a real fighter who can throw punches like if, if I was to pick one MMA fighter in the world to have a boxing match with who has like reached a certain level it would probably be Ben Askren like he's probably the worst guy you could pick Tyron Woodley wouldn't be near the bottom of that list, you know. Tyron Woodley is oh, it's definitely a massive step up. Yeah, yeah. huge. And I think uh, you know most boxers who are like three and zero and four and zero probably are not fighting the level of fighter, even though he's an MMA fighter of, of Tyron Woodley. So look, fair play at him. Um, and this is a big. Oh, it's test. also a, you know it's a, it's a big test, but it's also a smart choice by Jake Paul or Jake Paul's people. You know, as you said a couple of years ago, he was a UFC champion, so you can kind of say that. And he's kind of fallen off a cliff since. <laughs> so, so. Uh, yeah, it's it's you know Jake Paul's kind of you know <laughs> picking a nice bouts for himself um, in terms of progression, and this one definitely you know if he goes out there and loses, if Jake Paul goes out there and loses, there's no shame in it. You know if he went out there and lost to um, the NBA guy, it would have been would have been an embarrassment. And even if he had went out there and lost to, to Ben Askren, it kind of would have taken all credibility away from his his. Uh, Thing. but if he, if he gets caught with a big shot here and you know and gets finished or something like that then he can kind of be like you know oh well this guy was a champion two years ago he hits hard he can kind of talk his way out of it so yeah there's it's it's a smart matchup i think and it's it's definitely a little little bit uh a little bit of a step or a little bit of a, a big step up and a little bit more intriguing than the last one and i think you know uh I just I I think though if 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 Tyron Woodley just takes it seriously and you know trains for it properly and trains as if he's going to box a guy who's a good boxer then 
he should win. But yeah. I don't know how what Tyrone Woolley's uh, mindset is going into this. I think, yeah, I think this is the most intriguing boat as an athletic endeavor that any of the YouTuber ones have been. So you have to, like, say what you want about Jake Paul. So you're, not giving, you're not giving Logan a chance against Floyd. <laughs> no, I think Logan is like, he just needs to stop now. Like, Logan is the fucking Mark Hughes uh, and the, the MMA Mark Hughes of fucking YouTuber boxing. He just needs to stop. Like, he, Jake Paul is the guy. He Jake Paul basically stole Logan's hat like he did with Fly Mayweather, took it away, and now he's the guy. Like, Logan Paul just needs to get back to doing his fucking you stupid YouTube and, and uh, leave Jake Paul out I really think that but I think Floyd is even a little bit disappointed that he kind of picked the wrong guy you know it would have been much bigger if it was Jake but um, yeah look I, I think um, it, it, the whole uh, the whole celebrity boxing thing is just a reality of it we're, not, we're obviously not going to talk too much about it but the, the fact that Tyron Woodley is part of it makes an MMA story a little bit so we'll have to talk about it a little bit but it's going to be the end of the podcast for 4 or 5 minutes like this as normal we're not going to be starting the podcast you know, doing a 15 minute review of fucking YouTuber boxing but um, it is a bit of a story and for now this one I think as I mentioned it is more of an actual sporting event than what it has been before. It's going to be on Showtime. He's fighting, you know, he's boxing someone who can who can throw a punch, who can knock him out. Like, Ben Askren, I don't think, ever had, like, the prospect of knocking him out. We just kind of fooled ourselves into thinking, oh, he's an athlete and stuff. But, uh, yeah, Tyron Woodley is a real athlete and a real guy who can, who can throw a punch. So it'll be... Uh, It'll be interesting to see how it happens. Right, everybody. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Thank you, Graham, for joining me. Uh, appreciate everyone. If you haven't signed up to Patreon yet, please do patreon.com forward slash Severe Podcast. We have loads of stuff uh, like this out every week, three or four times a week. Uh, price of a pint a month. You'll be helping us out. Um, so, yeah, sign up there, and uh, we'll see you all again. Good luck.